Hello, and welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. I'm Julie. I have Michelle Fuller and Jeff Forrester with me today. I am going to just skip the nonsense intro I usually do telling you what the show is about and tell you that today, I think we're going to talk about success, failure, business, personal, and I'm pretty sure Jeff and Michelle have some questions for me. (laughs) That's the only reason why I'm here. It's mostly about Julie. Uh, I don't want it to be mostly about Julie, but I understand why it might be mostly about Julie. Uh, How are you guys doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I am. I am good. I am learning. I'm still learning the lessons from this past weekend on the mountain when I, you know, um, did the 29029 Eversing event in Stratton, Vermont. There are still lessons presenting themselves to me. Did you have that experience, Jeff, after you did it, where you were still learning and realizing things after, well, after it was done? Oh, for sure. Well, even when we've had the the last couple of conversations, you you go back and you forget some of the things that you remembered there. Yeah. And then you remember them and then you reprocess them. And then you come up with more conclusions. Like you said just a second ago, the similarities between life, business, and the mountain. Yeah. It, it's and that's I'm a firm believer is you have to compare everything and find the lessons and everything that you do. And that's that mountain just, it strips it away from you. (laughs) Uh, So real quick for the listeners, uh, 29029 Eversting is an event there. They actually do it in five different locations now. Yep. Five different locations starting this year. I think registration is going to open back up in about a week or two for the 2023 season you have 36 hours to climb the equivalent of Mount Everest. It is the, which is 29,029 feet. It is, it was the most well orchestrated event I have ever been to in my life. They do not miss a beat on anything. And just saying straight up front, I did not finish. I did not complete 29,029 feet. And I still feel like I got more than my money's worth for what I paid for that event. Without a doubt, without a doubt, I feel like it was worth the price of admission for what I went through, what I learned and um, what the benefits that it'll give me over the rest of my life. Truly. It's crazy. And what's neat about that is sometimes you have to pay for that. Yeah. You know, everybody looks at <laughs> the value it. and they, they look at, you know, well, there's no way I want to spend that, but you can't get that anywhere else. So sometimes you just have to pony up, invest in something that's going to scare the daylights out of you. And when you're done, then you go, look, that was a lot of money, but like you just said, it was worth every single dollar. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't wait to find out what it was in comparison to what you thought it was going to be. That's my my question. So first off, I, this is a story. So Michelle and I recorded a podcast on this yesterday. So she, she knows a lot of the things. Um, but the one story that I held back on yesterday, simply because I forgot and there was no space for it in the podcast, you know, so did you, you had, you picked a roommate when you went, right? For the for who you were going to be staying with? No. Okay. So I got paired with a total rando. Total rando. I didn't know this person. 
I don't know this person now. And the reason <laughs> is because, so I check into the hotel and, you know, you check in and then you go through, um, and this was the first year at Stratton and we were in a hotel. Usually they're in tents, but they moved oh. it to a hotel. And so I check into the hotel and then I go to the registration, get my swag bag and I'm all set up. And um, I go to, I grab my um, gear to move into the hotel room. And I had asked at the front desk, can you tell me who I'm sharing a room with? I don't know why I asked. It didn't matter. I didn't know anybody. <laughs> and so they tell me the person's name. They couldn't really pronounce it. And I said, okay, it was like Lizelle. They said her Liesel or so. I don't know. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I go in the room and there's nobody in the room. But it's clear somebody's been in the room and it's really weird. There's no luggage. There's no gear. There's no nothing. But there's fucking wet towels everywhere. Like they've showered and used every towel and washcloth in the bathroom and left them all over the room. Sounds like my kids. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) It's so weird. So and it's clear that this person has picked a bed and smartly they picked the bed closest to the door, which is my preference for someone else to sleep in. Because if a murder happens, they're dying first. That's that's straight <laughs> up how I think about a hotel room. So I put my shit on my bed and then I grab the, sh- I fix my gear bag and head, head to the shuttle with my gear bag so I can take my gear bag up on Thursday. Right. <clears throat> drop my gear bag in the gear tent and then meet up with some people that I had dinner with the night before we go through like the day before events. Right. And then I get back to the room. It's probably eight o'clock, seven 30, eight o'clock. It's early, early. Right. They want you in bed early on Thursday night. And I, I walk in the room and my roommate is in the room and she's like, hi. And she's older. She's older. Um, I don't know, maybe 57, 58. And she says the first words out of her mouth to me, I just want to warn you, I might snore a little. Oh, God. Fuck you. <laughs> a little? No. He, she she might have been the most... She lacked self-awareness more than anybody I think I've ever encountered in a very long time. Because why else would you leave wet towels all <laughs> over the room? Right. right? That's just... It's just self... That you're just... And, and her, like, hair was everywhere in the bathroom. It was just disgusting. So, anyway, I... Uh, my strategy was to fall asleep first so that I wouldn't hear it. Well, that was nonsense because the second she fell asleep, it was like listening to a freight train all night. I didn't, <laughs> sleep. I didn't sleep. And I woke, when I got up in the morning, I got, I, I went in the bathroom. I got brushed my teeth, washed my face. I got ready. I come out and it's like 4 a.m. now. And um, she's waking up. She goes in the bathroom and her, she has her alarm set on her phone the you the rooms are small. They're tiny. And she's in the bathroom, no water running. Her alarm is going off on her cell phone and she can't be bothered to come out and turn her alarm off. And I'm like, so I got up, I left, went up to the um, mountain, up to base camp. And um, later that day, I uh, talked to um, Matt Burrell and uh, got myself a new room. I had to oh, pay yeah. for it out of my pocket, but I didn't care because there was no way I was not sleeping again. Right. No fucking way. So that was how it started was with the queen of the snorers. Um, but anyway, um, how did the event compare to what I thought it was to what it actually was? No comparison whatsoever. Mm-hmm. None. I was, Jeff, it never occurred to me ever. It never occurred to me to ask. It never occurred to me that it might be a possibility. 
I was absolutely blown away by the technical difficulty of that mountain. The upper standard was just bullshit. (laughs) It was never mind how steep the inclines were. It was muddy. It was so dependent on foot placement on like really being able to use your, your trekking poles very well. It like foot placement and the amount of obstacles on the mountain that you had to go through was fucking insane. I, for some reason in my head had envisioned this well-worn trail, this grass trail. Nope. That is not what was there. There was swamp. There was little streams that you're jumping over. There's water hazards everywhere. And you just, you you just, I never in a million years, I never even thought to ask that question. And so me doing so much training on an incline treadmill was such a huge disadvantage. Like it was the worst possible way to train for me because and I, I don't know if you know this or not, Jeff, I like years ago had a really bad accident and had a disc replaced in my back. But the result of the accident was I lost all the feeling in my left leg. Most of it came back, but I can't feel most of my left foot and my left calf. So foot placement is hugely important to me and not anticipating it was going to be a technically difficult course or, or climb was really it blew my mind away. I was like, are you fucking kidding? I I had no idea. That was the single biggest thing that really, really surprised me. I was also incredibly surprised at how much time like you spent alone. And I shouldn't have because you 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 told me that that was what was going to happen. Yeah. So there's the, there, though, those are my first like key thoughts. That's awesome. And when you were talking about that, I, I even completely forgot to tell you about that stuff. Cause there are certain spots, Michelle, that it's so muddy and it's so inclined that there's, as people walk up it, they end up making steps with their feet because oh. it's so muddy. So it compacts. So she's right. So there's certain parts where you almost step sideways because it's too narrow to walk up like you would a set a step. So you kind of step sideways, cross your foot, step up and you go up that way. And I mean, it's not a long distance, but it's enough. And it's super steep. I just completely forgot to tell you about that. Cause I forgot that part of it. Yeah. And there were certain areas that um, if the course was still the same right towards the top, it rounds this little corner, but it's on an incline. So your feet are bent to the side as you're starting to walk up this incline. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. When you first cross over from like the lower standard to the upper standard where they have, I don't know if they did like the, the pallets to cross. Did they have pallets there last year? No. (laughs) Okay. So you had to cross over pallets to get over like this little mini gully, so to speak. And it, you, as soon as you, so where the midpoint aid station was right after that, you had to cross over pallets. And I know that um, someone who was there last year, who I um, did a ride down on the gondola told me that the trail moved, they moved the trail to the right this year. Oh, it was got, further right. You got benefited because last year you hit, you came off that little gravel road yep. and right when you rounded the corner, it was 
almost like climbing a ladder. It was oh no, so that's cute. that was still there. It was still there. Okay. <laughs> that was still there. It was awful. That was still, that, that was still <laughs> there. Mm, what was you know? And I kept thinking it's so funny. So you could have done this on the lower part, the first half of the of the um, climb. You could have sat down anywhere, right? You could have sat down if you wanted to. You could have sat, right? So, but on the second half, it it was muddy. It was wet. It was it was gross. And the second half is if you needed to sit, that was where it was going to happen. Where you're like, let me take a rest because taking a rest, standing up, leaning against your poles is not really a rest because you're still in most instances having to figure out how to balance yourself. There were some parts where every single time I would find myself in a situation of Okay, where do I step now? Like, how do I? Every time I made the ascent, I ended up in the same place on one part of the climb where I'm like, okay, how do I get out of this? And you, I would stand there for sometimes like three, four minutes trying to figure out where do I put my foot next? It was, and I remember, you know, years ago, Chad Wright saying how important solid foot placement is when you're doing something on a trail, like how much more energy you exert if you have bad foot placement. Like it's 80% more energy exerted if you don't have a really solid place for your feet to go. And I just never felt like I had good foot placement the entire time because most of where you're describing, it's like a ladder and you're, you know, they've got like these sort of little little slots dug in for you to step into it's you're only putting like the very beginning of your foot there. I can't feel that part of my foot. So it was really challenging for me to figure out how, how to make sure that I had the right balance and that I was steady locked in there to be able to take the next step because I don't have a lot of faith in the stability of my left leg. And I just, it never occurred to me that that was going to be an issue. And I think what, I don't think, I know one of the things that I realized was that for the past 20 years, I have relied so heavily on my right leg. My right leg got exhausted really fast and I have avoided doing the work to strengthen my left leg. Because it is hard and challenging and uncomfortable and I have not wanted to do it. Well, let me tell you what I will be doing. I, I'm like, that's over. I have to fix that. I don't want to end. I don't want to be 75 because I feel like what I looked like on the end of day two is what I would look like at 75. I could barely move because I had put so much stress and strain on one half of my body. Oh, that's deep. It was crazy. You did this last year, Jeff. I did the same place that Julie did. I did. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Just for the audience's uh, inquisitive minds. I have not done this. I uh, am just uh, here for the party. (laughs) Well, you know, Julie, I don't know if you want to do this now or when we come back from the break, but I'd love to hear because everything that you said has a lot of um, power and a lot Mm -hmm. of um, impact on how that relates to starting and running a small business. Yeah. Wait till you hear the epiphany that I had. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. 
The key is if I'll be able to get through the epiphany without crying. I think I will. I think I will today. Um, but yeah, I, I continuously thought about the parallels of that mountain to life, yeah, life being a business owner, Mm -hmm. um, in-game adjustments where you have to, you have to make in-game adjustments. And I also thought about how, you know, relying so heavily on your strengths and avoiding developing the weaknesses that will come back to get you. That'll get you at some point that'll get you. And so you've got to figure it out. Yeah. And when you were talking, the other part that resonated with me is as much as you think you've prepared and that, you know, what you're up against next thing, you know, is you get something coming completely out of left field. Like I never anticipated or saw that coming. See it come. Exactly. And I, I will say, I think where we can, where we can start after the break is <clears throat> that mountain was a mirror. It reflected back to me everything, everything that I don't like about myself on Friday. I saw all the things that I like, I saw all my weaknesses. I saw all the areas I needed to improve. And on Saturday, that mountain reflected all the things that I was good at. And it was just a really, like, I am so, so, I will be eternally grateful that I got up and made the decision to go back on Saturday. It would have been really easy to quit. Really easy. I knew, I knew by the third ascent that I was not going to finish. I knew that early on because I, I I don't even think you know this, Jeff. I pulled a groin muscle. Oh. (laughs) Yes. And spent almost two hours being worked on afterwards. Oh. So I knew that one ascent plus the time being worked on was five and a half hours. And so I knew then, and I had to come back. And I, but I could, I could have just stayed in bed. I I could have stayed in bed and I made that decision to like, you got to get up and go back out there. You, you cannot, you'll never be able to look yourself in the, in the mirror and say, Mm -hmm. I did, I gave it everything I had. So very interesting. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into all that after the break. Stick around. Hey, everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. All right. Welcome back to the show. I am Julie, and I have Michelle Fuller and Jeff Forrester with me, and we are talking about ah, the parallels between doing something really challenging and what you learn and how that can relate to both personal and business. So where do you guys want to go next? What do you want to know? I want to know about the epiphany that you had on the mountain. Okay. So the epiphany came on lap our lap on ascent to, and as a little backstory, I don't remember if we talked about this on the radio show or not, but I, back in early September, did an event in Maine called Hell on the Hill. And one of the things that I did on during Hell on the Hill was I recognized fairly early that the cheerleading, the cowbells drove me fucking insane. And so I asked these guys at the top of the hill who were running the aid station to talk shit to me, right? Like it helped me to get through it that every time I came around, they were going to say something to me like, um, you know, are you, are you dragging an anchor behind you or why are you so slow? And I really appreciated it. So I sent an email out. Um, both of you got the email where I asked my friends and family to if they could send a voice message or a video, I gave a, access to a Google folder. I said, drop it in here. And if, you know, when I'm having a really tough time, I'm going to listen to these messages. And, you know, I, and I said in the email, I am a big fan of when people talk shit to me. Okay. So we get all these messages in and, um, Jeff, you were super smart sending yours solo, right? I listened to yours the first day. I didn't listen to any of the other ones until I was done. And here's why. The second ascent, I kept quitting on myself. Like I, and it wasn't tired. I, it wasn't cold. I wasn't hungry. There was nothing wrong. I just kept quitting on myself. I mean, I would, you know, to the point where, I was really leveraging um, Mike Parnell's um, guidance of 50 steps, rest, 50 steps, rest, just to get some momentum going. And I couldn't even do the 50 steps. I could, I just kept quitting over and over and over again. And I finally realized I'm, I don't know, I'm not even to the, to the, you know, midpoint aid station yet. I'm probably halfway to it. And I have this realization I don't even, I don't believe in myself at all. And it just hits me like a tidal wave. It hit me so hard where all of a sudden I realized that the reason I asked people to send me messages talking shit was because 
it was so aligned with how I felt about myself mm. that that's what I wanted other people to affirm. Like I was uncomfortable with people coming by and cheering me on saying, you've got this, or I'm so proud of you or keep going. Um, and one guy had kept telling me how much I inspired him. And in my brain, I trans, I was translating that to, I inspire you because you don't think I'm capable of fucking doing this. And then I had finally realized I was the person who didn't think I was capable of doing it. Mm. I was the person who didn't believe in myself. And I sent a, the same text message to three people. I sent it to Michelle, to my friend, Steph Cook, and to my therapist, Heather. Heather and I said, I just had an epiphany. I don't believe in myself at all. And I'm asking people to talk trash to me because it aligns with how I feel about myself. Mm. And it was it made it impossible for me to listen to the messages because I could not at that point listen to people say shit to me. I couldn't, I couldn't, I knew I couldn't hear it because it was no longer, I no longer wanted that to be what I thought about myself. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't, I wasn't going to allow someone else to say it to me because I needed to stop saying it to myself. And you know, and then I kept digging deeper into that of, you know, why are you doing that? Like, where, what is this coming from? What, where else is this presenting itself? And, you know, I can, I could relate it back to, you know, starting the business and thinking to myself that I didn't deserve to be a successful business owner because I hadn't put in the work. And so it became, you know, this just constant thing of, you know, feeling like I wasn't good enough or I didn't know enough or I wasn't, I hadn't earned success and I would equate it to, you know, how many times I had been fired and like, I'm just like, all of these things just came like pouring back to me in ways on how it had presented itself over and over and how I had just allowed it to happen. And I was really doing it to myself. And how I just needed to knock it off, really, really knock it off. Um, and it was, it, it was really hard at that point to realize how much, why I didn't want people to cheer me on, right? And then, you know, relating it to, um, I had shared this with Michelle yesterday when we recorded the podcast. You can look at, there were so many things that I could have done better to get me to 17 cents, right? There were so many things that I could have prepared better and done better. And one of the things that I realized, I don't know, fair, probably fairly early on is there really were no, this is going to sound so ugly but there were no unhealthy people who finished 17 cents, right? So, and I don't, I mean, physically unhealthy, right? So honest to God, I've known for three years, I was going to do this event three years. And I can remember in before it got canceled in 2020, like really, really focusing on 
Like I have to cut weight because I didn't want to carry extra weight up that mountain with me, knowing how much harder that was going to make it. And hand to God, that was 60, I was 60 pounds lighter then. And I was concerned about it then. And now here I am. And I still, even knowing it was a go for me, I've known since last October, last September that I was doing it this year. So 13 months. And I still didn't make the right choices to do the right things for me to make it easier for myself. I continued to make excuses. I continued to do the things that were unhealthy, unproductive, that didn't get me to where I wanted to be. And I look, and that's the thing that I see so frequently with business owners. It is so easy to focus on the shit that doesn't need to be focused on because the other stuff is hard and uncomfortable and you don't want to do it. So those were some really, really tough things for me to face and to to look at. And that was the mirror that presented itself on Friday. And it was like, fuck, you are here because of the choices you made, the things that you did. And knowing that, I'm like, you you have to go make different choices. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> so good, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh and that's the 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 power of doing something hard because that if therapy's good, that probably would have never come out in therapy. No, no, you said that and, yesterday. They're, they're just, there's no way because you're not stripped down to the bare bones of just that, that vulnerability yeah. that you have because you have nothing left. Somebody went back. I shared the the episode we had before you went with somebody and I had forgotten. We had talked about it, about how silence reveals weakness mm. and you were just walking up that mountain. You had nothing else to do. You couldn't, you couldn't be busy. You couldn't distract yourself. You had one goal, one mission, and that was to climb up the hill. Yeah. And you, you had no way to distract yourself from that mm-hmm. and you had to face it. So, nope. you know, it's, and- to me, it sounds like you, even though you didn't technically get a red hat, you got a red hat because you, you learn from what the mountain was supposed to show you. And the mm-hmm. red hat is just a cherry on top. Yeah. I had, so after, you know, after I had pulled, pulled my groin and they worked on me for a while, when I, they told, they sent me back out. They said, Hey, Julie, go, go try another ascent. See, see how it feels and then come back and see us. Right. So this was like three 30 on Friday when I start this ascent and it's, it's still, I mean, the sun is shining bright. So the only thing I'm thinking about is, okay, go back out. And it's very slow going and I probably have, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a mile left and it's now almost six o'clock. Sun's about to go down and I'm starting to have, you know, I've got a fucking blister on my hand from the poles. My groin is pulled. My calves are burning. My feet hurt. And now I'm having an anxiety attack. Of course I am because I'm afraid I'm going to stuck on the mountain in the dark and I have an all of a sudden, Colin O'Brady and Mark Herlock come, come strolling by, right? And they're like, hey, Julie, what's going on? And I tell them, you know, I'm I'm moving, I'm moving slow, pulled a groin. I, I don't have my headlamp. It's going to be dark. And I'm like starting to freak out that I'm going to be stuck on this mountain in the dark. And Colin's like, we will go to the top and we will tell them you are down here and to keep an eye out for you. And if they don't see you, to come down and bring you a headlamp. We will not leave you here in the dark. 
And I laughed after I realized how, like, I was like, man, I got trust issues because I didn't believe they were going to tell them. I just thought they're not going to forget about me. They don't care about me. And a little bit later, um, you know, this pack of females comes strolling by and um, three of them are coaches and they see me and they're like, Hey, what's going on? And I, you know, I just tell them like, well, I have a blister. And that's the first thing I said, I have a blister on my thumb and, and it made it really hard to hold the poles. And so one of them had a bandaid. So they bandaged me up. And then I said, I think I'm, I'm, I'm having an anxiety attack. And they're like over a blister. Come on, Julie. I'm like, Nope. And I explain what's going on. And they're like, we'll walk with you. So coach Ashley walks with me <laughs> and her and coach Dawn are watch, walking with me. And I just, all of the sudden, like, and they were, I think it was because they were so kind, so kind and, you know, just, just loving on me. And like they they sensed like, Ooh, she's like deep in the pain cave. Let's, let's, let's give her some extra love. And I just had this meltdown. It came out of nowhere and I am standing on this mountain with these two just amazing women and I am ugly crying and they're like, what is going on? And I'm talking about, so this is Friday. I'm talking about how disappointed in myself I am and how I truly believe that everybody who I told that I was doing the event is watching that virtual ascent board and they're judging me. They're like, Oh my God, how fucking slow is this woman? She's only got three done and it's almost 12 hours. What the hell? And coach Ashley says, well, the virtual ascent board doesn't come with a ticker tape that lists people's injuries. So they don't know. And also if they're not on the mountain, they're not on the mountain. So yeah. who cares? Like, stop, just stop it. And, you know, really reminding me, like, it just does not matter. But on Saturday, when I went back out, uh, the revelation I had was just something that, you know, I've known forever and just was presented back to me where I finally got to the point where I'm like, if you're not on the mountain with me, you don't get a fucking opinion about how it's going for me. Like you don't get a say in it. Cause you have no idea. I mean, to just say make 17 a sense, like that doesn't sound that hard. Right. Until you see the mountain and you're like, <laughs> it's not a hill. It's a motherfucking mountain. And you have, and, and, you're right. Silent. What did you say? Silence reveals weakness. Yeah. I love that. So ah, good. That is so good. And so, mm -hmm. so true. It was, but you know, I knew, I knew on Saturday, I knew Saturday I was signing up again. I knew, and I knew why. And I also knew that you know, that, that disappointment I felt on Friday, it was gone on Saturday. I didn't, I didn't feel disappointed in myself anymore. I didn't, I, I thought, I mean, at the last ascent I did, I, I left everything I had on that mountain, everything. I was like, that's it. That's all. Like, I can't do another one. I can't do another one. But I also knew there were so many things I could have done better before I got to the mountain. 
that I, but I don't, I needed to be there to see it. I think the experience I had was the exact experience I needed to have. Mm-hmm. That was the result I needed to get. And that's what I was going to add. What you just said at the end was you don't know what you could have done differently unless you tried it. Right. Yeah. You can theorize, you Mm -hmm. can follow the plans, but until you do it and you take action and you get into it and it's a way harder than you thought, then you can reflect back and go, okay, what could I have done differently? And Julie, you and I talked about it with this 2022 adventure that I've had of starting my own business, definitely here at the end of the year, I can look back and see all the multiple big mistakes that I made of not doing certain things to get me into a better position here at the end of the year. But I wouldn't know that if I didn't just try it and have failures along the way, or not even a failure, just didn't have the success that I thought I should have. When I'm, I'm like you said, I'm right where I needed to be to see where I need to be. And yeah. it's a hard, hard thing. And so many people use fear to keep them from just trying something. And it's, we all go through it. And my wife, she's great at saying, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> yeah. And it's true. I mean, it's not like I'm climbing, I'm free solo up the side of a cliff. I'm just trying something new and whoopie do if it doesn't turn out like I hoped it would. It's it might turn experience. out better. Yeah. yeah. It might turn out better. And, and also I, one of the biggest parallels that I want to talk about when, when we come back after this next break is the difference between going it alone and building a support team to do it with you. Mm-hmm. And the, what a difference that makes both in business and on that mountain, like huge, huge difference. All right. We will get into that after the break. Stick around. Hey everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live so there's no editing or production if we screw up which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. All right. Welcome back to the show. This is our final segment. And well, this is a this is a deep and revealing conversation today, Michelle and Jeff. I want to pivot away from me a little bit and I want to talk about your experience. Um, I, Jeff, I think that your experience, maybe this is the closest thing that we could liken to 
labor. After, you know, a, a woman has a baby, they tend to forget the pain that went with it and they think of the glory. Um, and I think that's probably what happens after you're done with that mountain. You forget, you forget the suck. Once you get that red hat, I joked with people in there when people were on their final ascent and they've got the red bib on, I was like, that red bib comes with a guaranteed permagrant. God, people were so happy when they had that red bib on. Like nobody was in misery with the red bib. It was really fun to see. But you, um, during the break, were telling us a story, and I'd love for you to share that with with the listeners. Yeah, sure. So it was we, rain was on and off during our event. It rained a little bit the first day, and then what forced me, and I, I think I shared this on the last episode, is what forced me into my tent was it just came a gully washer, as we say in the South, it was just, it poured. And I was worried because they were expecting lightning. And then we were like, okay, what happens if there's lightning when we're on the mountain? And they're like, well, they shut the gondola down for 30 minutes at least. So I'm thinking I'm going to be trapped at the top. And there's just a small tent that everybody would have been huddled in. And so I went to bed, I come back out and I start hiking again at four and I get one lap, come down, and I start another lap. So it's kind of that dusk area. So that's, again, it's coldest before the dawn, like right before that sun comes up is when it's the absolute coldest. So I have my my puffer jacket tied around my waist and my rain jacket because we're anticipating the weather coming up. So I get past the, the first kind of the, I guess you would call it the a little over a third of the way is where the first aid station is. And then you go up and then, um, then you have about a, the half mile mark, then the three quarter mile mark. So I'm probably a quarter of a mile still to go from the top, which is where the most ascent and elevation is, is that last 150 feet of it right there. And it doesn't, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it's a lot. Um, And so it starts to drizzle. And so I'm thinking, uh-oh, it's going to, you know, drizzling's fine, whatever. So I put my rain jacket on. Well, my rain jacket goes about halfway in, down my thighs, which is, you know, I still have my puffer jacket that's below. And so I'm going, and then the skies just unzip and it just pours. Like I can't even see much in front of me. So water's running down, the mud's getting deeper, as Julie had said earlier. And I'm sitting there and you talked about quit. The whole time I'm cold, I'm shivering. And all I can think about is I'm done. And my wife was at the top. So she volunteered and I go in and I'm so cold and I'm so wet. I realized that my puffer, my one piece of relief is wet. And I'm like, I can't put that back on because that's going to cause me more issues because it's cold and wet and I need to be dry. And so she makes me a terrible cup of coffee but it's enough. That was the theme of the aid station. Awful. Terrible coffee. It was awful, but it was hot. And I needed to, to cause my teeth are chattering at this point. And now I'm, I have a, a very vivid imagination of the negative. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm hyperthermic. I'm going to die on the mountain. Here we go. And so I tell her, I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I think I'm done. And I said, if it's raining like this, <clears throat> cause you couldn't see outside the tent, it was sideways. I go, if it's raining like this at the bottom, I'm not coming back out. It's not worth my safety to try to make another attempt. Excuses in my head. I wouldn't have died on the mountain if I was wet. Um, but I was ready to quit. 
And she never said anything. She didn't say, you know, I know Julie, you don't like the, you go girl. Um, and she didn't give me any of that rah, rah. It was just like, okay, we'll just, you know, ride down, evaluate it. And then if I see you, I see you back up here. And if not, then we'll figure it out and go on your way. And this was number 12. And so I kind of gather myself and I get back on the gondola. And it, just like you were saying, as I'm talking to myself the whole way down and I'm praying and just to, to reveal the moment to me, like, what, what is this all supposed to be? And I get halfway down and it completely stops raining. And I went, oh, well, there went my excuse out the window. I have to keep going. I told myself it was if it was raining at the bottom, I was done. Well, it wasn't raining at the bottom. So I get down and this is where having people around you and having um, relief around. So I get to the bottom. I'm like, okay. I've got to change my plans, which means I've got to change my clothes. If I can get into dry clothes, that's going to change everything. And it did. I, I went into the Porta John. I got a dry shirt, dry shorts, um, changed my socks, and I felt like a completely new person. And I didn't stop until I finished. And you know, to me, that was one of those revealing moments. Is sometimes you have to be so depleted before you can find that extra little bit of strength. And then also have something that will make you feel like you've got dry clothes on and Mm. move on. You know, what's, what's funny, Jeff is um, you would have used the rain as the reason to stop. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, it's raining. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And it was like, God saying, Nope, I'm not going to give you that. That's I'm not giving you that out. If you want to quit, you're going to have to quit on your own. I literally asked good old Sandy in the recovery room who was working on me to get me back out there to tell me I couldn't go back out. I said, tell me I can't go back. Cause I didn't want to, qu- I didn't want to quit, but if somebody else would have told me you can't go up back out there, I would have taken it. And she was like, I'm not telling you that. She's like, I can't fix this, but you can still climb. And she's like, it's going to be slow going, but you can still go. And I was like, Damn it, Sandy. <laughs> Damn you it, know? Sandy. Yeah, but it was so interesting because, you know, I think quitting is easier when someone else gives you permission to do it. Mm. But when you are in charge and when you're running a business, when you are whatever you are doing, you don't. If you don't look for the outs, if you don't give yourself permission, you will keep pushing forward. And if mm-hmm. you have to have, for me now, like in business, quitting isn't even, it's not on the table. It's not, an, it, it's not anywhere close to an option. And part of the reason is because I've got two people who pay their mortgages based on me having a business. Right. And then I think all of our clients, they depend on us. Right. So when you're on that mountain, having someone knowing who is, who's counting on you and it's just yourself usually. So you've got to have, is that where you think the why comes in? Like what your, like your why for doing it? Or do you think it's something bigger than that? Uh, for me, it's bigger. It's not just people depending on me because then, like you said, is you can make an excuse. Well, I don't have anybody depending on me, so I can just quit. 
doesn't yeah. impact anybody but me. And that's 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 not the 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 case. I mean, think about all the people that are around you, your friends, your your like, you know, for me, my wife and my kids, that it's not just a dependence, like a physical financial dependence that they have as a leader, I have to show up even yeah. when I don't want to show up. Mm-hmm. And and if I fail and I trip and I fall, that's okay. They need to see that dad's not perfect. And my, you know, that Tammy knows I'm not perfect, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a fallacy that we all start to tell ourselves is we have to be perfect. We have to have it all figured out. Even as a coach, you tell yourself, well, if I reveal this aspect of, I don't know it all, why would somebody want to hire me? That's just an excuse. That's a lie that's being fed into you that doesn't need to belong there. I mean, now you're more valuable, Julie, as a coach because of what you did and what you didn't accomplish. Because now you can show people the lessons that you learn, draw similarities where they are at, and be the coach that kept you going and allowed you to have that ugly cry on the mountain and say, okay, are you done? How'd that yeah. feel? What'd you learn from it? Now let's go. Let's let's continue on because we have a mission to accomplish and we're not there yet. Yeah, I think one of the, you know, most well, there were two things that Colin said on Thursday, Colin O'Brady, that were really impactful for me. The first one was the driver that kept me moving up the mountain, which was <clears throat> in the history of 29029, no person has ever started an ascent and turned around and came back. Don't be the first to do it. It was just that simple. Don't be the first to do it. So that meant even on the third ascent, when I pulled my groin 150 yards in, the only option was forward. That was it. There was no other option for me because I'm like, I'm not going to be the first. I'm not going to be the story he tells on stage next year. I'm not going to be the fucking story. So that was one thing. The other thing was when he talked about, and I know I've heard this told in various forms, but the way he did it was just so great. Like so many of us choose to live our lives at a five where we're so afraid to fail that we don't want to take risks because we just want to be just complacent at that five, not realizing that when you take failure off the table, when you take the ones off the table, you take the tens off the table. You can't have the highs if you don't have the lows. You can't have them. And so, like, there was nobody on that mountain living their life on a five. Right. Like, and you, every person who, who makes those ascents, they have one climb that's a one or a two. You had years when it was pouring rain and you're like, I'm, I'm done. I quit. But then you went back out and you, you got the 10 because you got the red hat. And we just have to remember you can't, I mean, if, if you make the choice to live in safety and comfort, you are never going to experience tens in your life. You're never going to get the highs. So true. And There's that no one, magic and safety. None. No. In anything we do. Yeah. The success is continuing to try. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's just, you have to keep trying and keep putting an effort into it. If you want to see success. It's going to take longer maybe than somebody else, but you just, mm-hmm. you have to stay consistent and stay diligent 
in getting back out and doing another lap. Yeah. You have to keep climbing and it will take longer than you think it will. It always does. (laughs) It definitely will take longer. One final, really quick, funny story. So I'm on the first ascent, right? And I'm probably, I don't know, a 10th of a mile from the top. And, um, I've broken, I've broken it into quarters, right? Four quarters and overtime was how I was looking at it. And I'm thinking I'd given myself essentially eight hours to finish four ascents. So I feel good on the first one where I get up there and I got like a 10th of a mile left. (laughs) And this, this kid, I don't know. I thought he was like 18 at the time (laughs) comes flying by me. And I thought, oh, motherfucker, that guy overslept. (laughs) Nope. He was on his second ascent. (laughs) And uh, this kid, Tyler, is 27. He's a D1 athlete. He finished in 15 hours. That's ridiculous. And um, he's amazing. But he also told me, he said, (laughs) it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. He said, and I knew if I didn't finish in one day, I wasn't going to come back. He's like, it was really hard, but his dad was there and his dad was on his final ascent, probably at about three o'clock, three, three thirty on Saturday. And, um, Tyler came back, put his red bib on and climbed, did the final ascent with his dad. It was really, he's a really, yeah. but yeah. So that's it. What's our lesson for today? Keep climbing. Yeah. Keep on trucking em- as they say. Embrace <laughs> the struggle. <laughs> Keep going and, after you want to quit. Yes. And now, Jeff, we are absolutely we're going to have to come back because I really want to talk about the work that you are um, doing okay. with veterans. So we will um, have you back um, probably in two weeks if that works for you right oh, before be Veterans perfect. Day. I feel like that'd be a great time to come back. Oh, that of would course, be Michelle, perfect. you can come back too. I All right. Love to. All right. Um, that's it for today. Thanks, everybody. You can catch us live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business Channel or catch the replay at any time. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.